Welcome to another inspirational message by Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor at Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Beaumont, Texas. For more information about Church on the Rock and Ron Hammonds Ministries, visit cotr.com. Open your Bibles if you would. We're going to be going tonight back to the book of Genesis. We are continuing in our study, uh, Genesis chapter 39 tonight. We're continuing in our study of spiritual fitness. Spiritual fitness, you know, it's just, well, in fact, it's more important to be spiritually fit than it is to be physically fit. And uh, as we've talked, I'll share just a few more things. One of them is, you know, all day long, I could point to a treadmill. You could point me to a treadmill all day long. But unless I actually went and got on it and started doing something, that treadmill sitting, uh, you know, in my living room wouldn't make much of a difference. And it's, it's, it's like the Bible sitting on the shelf when we get home. It, you know, just because you have a Bible in your home doesn't mean that the Bible's making any difference in your life. And just because you sit in church doesn't necessarily mean that it's making a lot of difference in your life. We actually have to take the Word of God and do something with it. And when we can uh, exercise ourselves, the Bible tells us that it benefits us. It benefits us greatly. It's important that our physical strength uh, be exercised because if not, it can atrophy. You can be in the best shape you know, ever, the best shape of anyone in the world, and stop exercising, and it won't be very long until you know, you're just like me. And so it's important to realize that's the same thing about spiritual fitness, that you could have been at some point in your life very spiritually fit, very spiritually strong, very spiritually capable, but then stopped doing the simple things along the way somewhere. And if you aren't watchful, your spiritual strength can atrophy and you can end up being a spiritual weakling and you can end up being pushed around by things that you would not have been pushed around by. You can end up even being uh, you know, temporarily defeated with some things that would not have defeated you had you been spiritually stronger. It's very important in our lives that we pay attention to the spiritual exercises. It's important that we pay attention to stretching ourselves spiritually, stretching ourselves with the Word of God. So we started a study of Jacob, excuse me, Joseph, Jacob's son, of Joseph. You remember Joseph? He was a young boy, just, just 17 years old. And he was the youngest of, of, of 11 children, 11 sons at that time that Jacob had. And he had some daughters as well. But 11 sons at that time that Jacob had. And he was the youngest. Joseph was the youngest. We read about him beginning in about chapter 37. And Joseph was not well liked by his brothers. And Joseph was considered to be weak. He was considered to be a daddy's boy. Daddy had to take care of him. Daddy, you know made him a coat of many colors. And, you know, uh, he would go out and check on his brothers for daddy, but he would come home and tell daddy what they had been doing wrong, and daddy would get on to them. And because of that, Jacob's sons did not respect Jacob, nor did they respect Joseph. They ended up selling Joseph into slavery. They would have killed him with the exception of one brother, Reuben, spoke up for him and kept him from being killed. They went ahead and sold him into slavery. 
Joseph went down into Egypt and he was purchased by a man named Potiphar. Potiphar was a very wealthy man. Many of you know the story. Some of you have not read it yet, but you can read it in chapter 37 from Genesis all the way through the end of the book of Genesis. In fact, Joseph is the most prolific character in the book of Genesis. God teaches us more through the life of Joseph than anyone else. Joseph shows us what it was like to have a dream for God to give Joseph a dream. He was 17 years old. He was just a young boy. He was a young boy that was not liked by his brothers. He was a young boy that was weak. He was a young boy that was vulnerable. He was a young boy that was last in line and he was bullied and picked on and even sold and, and then uh, you know, uh, became a slave and, and then he was lied about. Uh, uh, Potiphar, his master, had a wife and this wife lied about Joseph. It ended up getting Joseph put into prison. And Joseph had a very, very difficult time for a lot of years. When Joseph was 17 years old, his life was really, you know, he was last in life. He would have been last to inherit. He would have been the last brother. You know, whenever you broke up your father's inheritance into a double portion for the firstborn, and then half of the rest of it went to 10 other guys before you, know, you got the, you know, the last portion. He didn't have much to look forward to in life, but God gave him a dream. And God gave him a dream very strategically. He gave Joseph this dream when Joseph was asleep simply because Joseph... His waking world was not a world where he could imagine a better day. As long as daddy was alive and as long as daddy was taking care of him, Joseph was going to be okay. But Joseph knew, like everyone else knew, like his brothers knew, as soon as daddy goes, Joseph is gone. You know, in fact, they didn't even wait that long. They ended up getting rid of him early. Joseph had this dream when he was asleep because his waking world was not a world where he could imagine a better day. He was looking forward to a worse day. As far as Joseph was concerned, he was in the best days of his life at 17 years old. It was not going to get much better from here. But God had a different plan. You know, sometimes I hear people saying uh, to, to young people, to our youth or to, you know, to some teenagers, uh, well, hey, enjoy your days in high school. Those are the best days of your life. No, they're not. Mm -mm, and no way in the world, you know, those are, uh, no, no, they're not. Uh, God, has a, God has a much better plan for us. I mean, for me, my days in high school were not, uh, no way in the world. I don't look back, I mean, I can look back and say, oh, wasn't it nice to, you know, uh, you know, uh, well, it wasn't even nice to do that. <laughs> of course, you got to realize I, I was married in high school. So, uh, you know, I've been married all my life. And, and Brenda's been picking out my clothes since I was like, I don't know, 17 or something, 16, I guess. Uh, but, uh, but at any rate, uh, those weren't the best years. Those aren't the best years. Joseph's wasn't either. God gave him a dream. What is a dream? We talked about a dream is simply looking forward to a better day. God gave Joseph a dream of a better day. But, you know, he couldn't understand it. He wondered about it. He thought about it. He even shared it with his brothers. He even shared it with his father. And that caused some trouble. 
But all of his life, Joseph saw God moving in his life, bringing the dream to pass. You can read about it in Genesis chapter 37. But you know, just like King David, Joseph was not just given something. He wasn't just given a good life. Joseph was given an opportunity to make a good life. Okay? Just like us, just like David. The Bible says David took, uh, uh, God took David and made him a king. You know, David was anointed to be king when he was just a young man. And David's brothers didn't think much of him. David's daddy didn't think much of him. In fact, whenever the prophet Samuel, you can read about this uh, in, in, um, in the book of first Sam, second Samuel, first and second Samuel, whenever David was a little boy and the prophet Samuel came to David's house in order to anoint a new king for Israel, do you know that David's daddy sent David out on the backside of the desert because he was the youngest and the smallest and the least thought of? Nobody imagined that David could be the king. Nobody imagined David was going to be the one that was picked. David didn't look like a king. David didn't act like a king. David, there was no way. And so David's father, his name was Jesse, he sent David in the backside of the desert to look after a few sheep while the other brothers, all of David's other brothers, presented themselves before the prophet Samuel. And Samuel looked at each one of them and said, not him, not him, not him, not him, not him. And when Samuel got finished looking at all the other brothers, he went to Jesse and he said, Jesse, I know God told me that one of your sons is going to be king, but, but you showed me all your sons and, and, and not one of them has God chosen. Do you have any other sons? That's what he said to Jesse. And Jesse said, well, I've got one more son, but he's just a small kid. He's just a ruddy little kid. He's just a, you know, redheaded, freckle-faced little shepherd boy. He doesn't know anything. He can't, not him. And Samuel said, well, I'm not leaving until you send to get him. And they went and got David from the backside of the desert, from obscurity, from a place where he was not well thought of, from a place that he was hidden in life, from a place where others had relegated him to be. And they brought little David in from the backside of the desert. And when Samuel saw him, he said, that's the king. That's the king. And Samuel poured oil on his head and prophesied that he would be the king of Israel and that the scepter of Israel would never depart from his house. Wow. Not, not well thought of except by God. You see, God has a plan for our lives. That happened over and over and over and over again throughout the Bible. God loves to call greatness out of obscurity. God loves to reach into the backside of the desert. God loves to confound the wise with something simple. God loves to take those things that are not and make them something. God loves to take somebody from nowhere and make them a somebody. Uh, everywhere. God is just amazing like that. And that's what he did with Joseph. But he did not take David and give him a kingdom. He took David and made him a king. He gave him a dream of being a king when he was a young man. And then David went through hell. Not literally, but went through 
hell, the hell of this life, chased and, 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 and battered and, and beaten and, and forgotten and, and, and uh, you know, uh, because God was making something out of him. You see, a diamond is nothing but an old piece of coal that made good under pressure. And that's what David was. That's what Moses was. That's what Joseph is. Joseph is not just given a position as ruler of the known world. Rather, he is made and shaped. And he goes through a lot of exercises. He goes through a lot of stretching. He goes through a lot of things, honing his own character and shaping his own principles of life. And those are the things that we're talking about in these few weeks. These are the things that we are discussing. We are looking at Joseph's life and we are taking the critical elements and the critical moments of his life and we're taking them apart. We're exegeting the scriptures and looking into them and finding out why did Joseph respond like this? Well, what did Joseph do when Joseph knew that he did something wrong how did Joseph recover from this what was Joseph thinking whenever this occurred to him how did Joseph present himself we have so far talked about the power of a dream we've talked about how horrible it is to be in a place where you do not expect a better day to where you cannot imagine what a better day would even look like you know by now I'm hoping that you are getting up in the mornings and imagining what a good day would look like that you're allowing yourself to dream some imagining you at your best imagining you in the best condition that you can be in. Imagining yourself wiser and stronger. Imagining yourself more spiritually fit. Imagining what you would look like at your best for God, at your best for you, at your best for your family. What would you look Daring to imagine and dream of a better day. What would a better day look like? I'm hoping you are beginning to be able to articulate what a better day would look like. And then once you, once you imagine, even if you get up in the morning and just for your day, what would, a, what would today look like? What would a good day look like today? Where is the peace and the joy? You know, can I, can I expect this morning for there to be, you know, a, 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 a patience in my day? Can I expect myself, uh, you know, to, uh, to, to have peace today? You know, what would a better day look like? Could I hope today? Can today I love? Can today I, 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 I forgive? What, what would it feel like if I was to walk through the day with the grace of God to forgive or to love or to have mercy or to have patience or to be kind? What would my day look like if I could exhibit a little more of the character, a little more of the uh, qualities, a little more of the fruit of the Spirit of God? What would it look like in my life if others were to return that? What would it look like today if when I got to my job or I got to my class or I or I got to the plant, uh, what would it look like today if I went into the room where my family is and they loved me, they forgave me? What would it look like today if they showed me mercy? What would it look like today if there was peace in my home, if there was joy in my home, if there was joy in my workplace? What would it look like? How could I affect that? And begin to put that together and begin to dream of all that God could do through you and for you and around you and with you 
all that he could do, and then began to take the scriptures, the word of God, and allow that word of God to shape and to shore up and to strengthen that dream. What, dare to dream. Some of you are, 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 are locked behind a situation that you think can never change. Well, they wouldn't do that. Well, they wouldn't allow that. Well, well there's no way that that could happen. Look, don't lock yourself behind a door of that can't happen. Lock yourself rather in with God and imagine that God can make things happen that, 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 that are unimaginable, that, that through Christ you can do all things. Imagine, just imagine, take the limits off, take a little bigger step. Imagine what it would look like. You know, you might say, well, I'm in a, I'm, I'm in a job where I could never make more money or never make that much money or, or not, never, never, never be able to meet. No, 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 don't, stop that. Begin to imagine, begin to dream. Why not? Why not begin to dream? Why not? Don't let life put you in a box and tell you that you've been to your greatest day. That's not how God feels about it. Begin to dream of what it would look like for family restoration. Begin to dream of what it would look like for, for opportunities to, to open up and for you to be able to do what you once imagined you would be able to do. Begin to dream. And then go to the Word of God. Find scriptures that support that, that shape that, that tweak it, that mold it, that, 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 that may need to move you just a little bit over here. Find the scriptures and allow the scriptures to, to, to press through your mind and through your heart and through your, through, through your life so that they can begin to shape you and you can begin to be exercised and strengthened and, 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 and guidelines put to your life so that you can know where to step and where not to step and then begin to speak a better dream, begin to speak a better day. Begin to make a good confession. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And when you allow the word of God to saturate you and permeate your life, your soul, your mind, your mind begins to get renewed. The power of God's word begins to distribute faith in your life and hope in your life and joy in your life and peace in your life. And then you begin to speak the word of God. You begin then to allow God, as, as Proverbs 16, 3 says in Psalms 37, 4, you begin to allow God to shape your thoughts and you begin to allow God to, to give you the dreams of your heart. And then you began to open up your mouth and, 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 and speak those things and, and begin to make a good declaration. The Bible says you shall declare a thing and it shall be established unto you. That doesn't just mean you can go around just saying anything you want. It does mean, however, whenever you get the word of God alive on the inside of you, that whenever you speak God's word, if he abides in you and, you're, and, 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 and uh, you abide in him and his word abides in you, the Bible says that what you say makes a difference. These are the things that we've talked about in past weeks. How important it is to present yourself well. That if God wants to promote you, don't give him a hard time doing it. You know, Put a smile on your face. Put joy in your heart. Stop being fussy. Stop, just, you know, uh, stop you know, being negative about everything. Stop being a I can't do it person. Stop living in the negatives of life and begin to do like Joseph did. He presented himself well. Something made him a good purchase on the auction block. And then whenever he got to the job, he didn't just sit down and say, well, I'm, 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 I shouldn't be here. I'm, I'm, I'm just not going to participate. No, he began to participate in life. He worked very, very hard. He became the head of Potiphar's house, the chief steward in his house. And then when 
whenever he was done wrong and sent to prison, Joseph in prison continued to present himself well and continued to participate and he worked really hard at anything he found himself doing. Anything he was given to do, he worked hard at it and he became uh, the, 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 the trustee and had all the keys to the jail and he was, you know, the, the Bible says that, that, that the jailer didn't look to anything. You know, it's important to realize that we don't just need a dream. We need a plan. We need to participate. We need to strengthen ourselves. We need to, you know, just like David, just like Joseph, God didn't just give them, you know, the culmination of his will for their life. He gave them an opportunity to work for it. He gave them an opportunity to show up every day and present themselves well. He gave them an opportunity to participate. He, you know, uh, uh, sometimes whenever I go to another place to preach, uh, um, I will encourage people to p- participate with God financially. I encourage people to do so. And I ask people this question. Don't raise your hand, okay? It's not a trick, but there is a catch to it, okay? And I'm very, very sincere when I do that. And uh, I, I, I do it fairly often because I believe that, that God wants to bless us more than we could imagine, but he needs us to participate. God demands that we participate in our miracles. No miracle in the word of God, whether Naaman dipping in the River Jordan seven times uh, or, or, or if, uh, you know, uh, whether, whatever the miracle is, okay, it requires participation. And finances are no different. So many times I, I, I ask people, listen, you know, if I could get God to give you a million dollars, how many of you would, 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 you know, give him 10% of it? I mean, if I could get God to give you a million dollars, don't raise your hand. I will say, how many of you would, 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 would give God 10% of it? And, you know, people go, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, wait, put your hands down. Because realistically, I'm very serious about this. If I, I mean, if, if I could pray, if I believed enough in my prayers and I could pray and God would give you a million dollars, how many of you would give him 10% of it? I mean, I, people really want to sign on to that wagon. They can imagine that. And I tell him, okay, well, here's what I'm going to do. I, now, there's a catch. I am going to pray. And I really do believe this. I believe this with all my heart, man. And it has happened to, 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 to some of you. You know it's happened. Uh, and, 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 and I, we, we, we've seen God do this. Uh, but if, if I could get God to, if, if I could pray and put it on me and God give you a million dollars, God bless you, and so that you get a million dollars, how many of you be faithful to bring your tithes and offerings to the Lord? Yeah, people all over the place, yeah. I said, okay. Well, here's the deal. I'm going to pray, and I am going to believe that God's going to do that. And uh, uh, however, like with everything else, there is a test, okay? But I do believe that God's going to give you a million dollars. I believe that. I really do. I'm very sincere when I tell people this. Uh, and, and you've made a commitment to him. Now, listen, you know, he may give it to you $100 at a time or $1,000 at a time to see what you're going to do with that 100 or that 1,000. That's what the Bible says. Because if you're faithful in the little bit, he knows you'll be faithful in more. But if you're not faithful in the little bit, he doesn't expect you to be faithful with more. So if you're, if you're not going to trust him with what you have today, you're, you're not going to trust him. You don't trust him if you don't trust him with what you have today. You don't trust him. And he wants you to trust him. So with the next $100 that you get, be faithful and watch what God will do. Little by little, he says, line upon line, precept on precept. It, wor- it just works, okay? It just works. But you have to start somewhere. You have to exercise your faith, and you have to exercise. I mean, God will participate with you in witnessing. God will participate with you in, 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 in restoring relationships. God is willing to participate with you. God will help you to grow a good uh, vegetable garden, but he won't do it by himself. 
okay? And if he can't get us to participate, he has nothing to bless in our life and nothing to work with. Same thing with being spiritually fit. Tonight we're looking in, in, uh, you know, uh, in, in, in the Word and uh, you know, realizing that, that a dream, just a dream by itself, a dream is not a plan. And we need a plan. We need to put a plan together. We're going to be in Genesis chapter 39 tonight. And it's important to realize that Joseph's success, that David's success, that Moses' success, that my success, that your success, every one of us, our success is more than a one-step process. Okay? And success most often belongs to those who are able and willing to endure the process. David could have stopped at any time. Joseph could have stopped. At any, he could have quit working at any time. He could have stopped participating. He could have stopped presenting himself well. Joseph could have went the other direction. And you and I both know people that had opportunities in life, and they quit somewhere along the way. They stopped or they started going a different direction. Anytime you start going a different direction than God's direction for your life, you're getting away from what God wants to do in your life. But good news. You can turn around any time. You can repent. You can turn around. You can get right back on the trail. God will always allow you to turn around. Like the prodigal son in, in, in the book of Luke, you can turn around any time you want to. And when you do and start your walk back to God, uh, then God will run to you. He will run. To, he, he, he's, he, he's not going to say, I told you so. He's not going to you know, be mean and not want to talk to you. Anytime we want to, we can turn around and get back to God. You just draw a straight line from wherever you are straight to the will of God for your life, and you just head that direction and watch God meet you. He'll carry you if you need. God is that good, uh, but he requires us to participate. In Genesis chapter 39, the Bible says in verse 23, talking about Joseph's experience after he got to the prison. And, uh, you know, you can read 37 through uh, chapter 39 and, and catch up if, 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 if you haven't. But the Bible says the keeper of the prison did not look to anything that was under Joseph's authority because the Lord was with Joseph. And whatever Joseph did, the Lord made it prosper. Wow. Imagine that. Joseph just kept on keeping on. Even in prison, when he found himself in prison, he went straight to the top because he worked hard at it. He knew the hand of God was on him, but he also knew that he had to work. He also knew he had to participate. He also knew that wherever he found himself, he needed to blossom where he was, because where he was was all he had. You see, all you have is what you have, but you can take what you have, you can start where you are, you do the very best you can, and God will be with you every step of the way, and he will take you where you're going. But any journey has to begin right where you are. You cannot wait till you get somewhere else to start. Today is the day and now is the time to say, here it is, God. Lord, I'm going to just draw a straight line from wherever I am straight to where you are, God. And I'm walking that way, Lord. Walk with me. Show me. Shape me, Lord. Give me a vision, a dream of a better day, Lord. And God, help me with your word that I can know what to do. Okay? Uh, Genesis chapter 40, uh, we begin. Uh, and, and, it, and it came to pass after these things, after Joseph was the, 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 uh, the trustee. It came to pass after these things that the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt offended their lord and the, uh, the king of Egypt. And Pharaoh was angry with his two officers, the chief butler and the chief baker, so that he put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard in the prison, the place where Joseph was confined. And the captain of the guard charged Joseph with them and he served them so they were in custody for a while. Verse 5. 
outside. Then the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt, who were confined in the prison, had a dream, both of them, each man dream, each man's dream in one night, and each man's dream with its own interpretation. And Joseph came into them in the morning and looked at them and saw that they were sad. So he asked Pharaoh's officers who were with him in the custody of his Lord's house, saying, why do you look so sad today? Now, as if Joseph didn't have enough problems. Joseph is a slave, he's imprisoned, he's in a foreign country. I mean, he's been treated wrongly, he's been falsely accused and and wrongly imprisoned. As if Joseph didn't have enough problems for himself, he's gonna take on someone else's problems. You know what Joseph is doing? He's doing the next exercise that you and I need to pay attention to so that we can stretch ourselves beyond our own problems and out of our own circumstances and situations. Here Joseph had trouble himself, but yet Joseph, even though he had the keys to his own prison, yet Joseph noticed that someone else was having a bad day. And this is the beginning of Joseph getting out of jail. This is the beginning of God's plan in Joseph's life. But Joseph is going to have to pay attention. He's going to have to present himself well, and he's going to have to participate. And so here Joseph notices that the butler and the baker are sad. I mean, come on. Everybody in prison is sad. But Joseph is paying attention and he notices that something is troubling them and what Joseph is doing here he is exercising himself to one of the virtues of God it's a virtue called kindness that's right kindness do you know kindness can be such an attribute in our life, such a powerful attribute in our life. Listen, tomorrow, whenever you are at, at, at work or you're at school, tomorrow when you're busy about your day or, or, or when you're with your family or, or, or you know, sometime this week, when, when, whenever you know, you're conscious of everything in your life and all the needs that you have, look around, open up your eyes and step back and look around and realize that everyone in your world is having a difficult time at some point in life. And you need to be aware of other people's troubles and not not just your own, and take time to be kind. Take time to be kind to someone else, especially if you are needing something in life, especially if there's something in your life that you're hoping for or dreaming for. Do you know that you could be making connection just by kindness that is one day going to open the prison doors in your life? And that's what Joseph is doing. Just because Joseph is kind, Joseph could have walked on that day. He could have delivered them their food or given them their reading material. He could have asked them if they needed something or, you know, checked on them and just moved along. But Joseph noticed that they were sad. He noticed they were troubled and he said to them, you know, what is troubling you? Why do you look so sad today? Joseph took time to be kind. You know, it's not all about, you know, prophesying and laying hands on the sick. It's not all about memorizing scripture. It's not all about, you know, uh, uh, going to church. Sometimes doing the will of God is as simple as being kind to someone who looks like they're having a sad day, a bad day, a troubled moment in life, to stop and take time for someone else's problem. In Job 42 in verse 10, after Job had gone through all of his troubles and, and you know, 
he was, he was by himself and sitting in ashes and had lost everything in life. The Bible says that, and the Lord restored Job's losses when he prayed for his friends. Indeed, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. Kindness. When he prayed for his friends. When he did something for someone else. God did something for him. You see, the Bible says that we should not be deceived. God will not be mocked. Any good thing we do for anyone, the same shall we receive of the Lord without respect to whether we are a slave or a free man. God will bless us when we bless others. That's one of the stretching exercises that we need to do is stretch ourselves to be kind to others even when we're having a bad day, but perhaps especially when we're having a bad day. Because when we're having a bad day, if we're not watchful, we are apt to make our day worse. We are, we are apt to let something come out of our mouth or something in our heart or let something get into our attitude. When we are having a bad day, when we are at our worst moment is when we need to look around for someone to bless and be kind to. Because we're vulnerable to Satan's arrows when we are weak and angry and mad and frustrated and aggravated and irritated and especially when we have a right to be frustrated and aggravated and angry and upset, especially when someone has done us wrong and betrayed us and falsely accused us and lied to us and cheated us and, 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 and put us in a place where we are now behind and we were ahead and, 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 and look around for someone to be nice to. Break that spirit Look around for someone to be kind to. Look around for someone to bless. You'll put a smile on your father's face and you'll watch God just get all excited and stomp on the devil's head a little while because another victory, he didn't take his kid down. The second virtue that Joseph added to his exercise program was that of candidness. What is candidness? Candidness is the art of being responsibly honest. Not irresponsibly honest, okay? No one can take you being irresponsibly honest to them, okay? Don't just walk up to somebody and start telling them what you think about them. Don't, 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 don't do that, okay? Uh, uh, there's no reason hurting people's feelings, and you are probably wrong to begin with, all right? Uh, your opinions aren't necessarily the best uh, judge of other people's character and anything else in life. But Joseph heard from God. When they told Joseph, each one of them told their dreams, Joseph knew. He knew that one of them was going to be restored to his position and one of them was going to be hanged. Joseph was responsibly honest enough to be candid. He just didn't tell them what they wanted to hear. He didn't just, you know, uh, tell them, uh, you, know, uh, you know, some candy-coated thing, you know, he was honest with him. He told them what he really believed God had told him about them. He said to the butler, in three days you're going to be restored to your position. And when you are, don't forget me. And he said to the baker, listen, Pharaoh's going to take your head off in three days. It's important that we have the capacity to be candid. Not irresponsibly honest. Not hurtful. 
not vengeful, you know, not, uh, you know, not just, you know, well, it's the truth, you know, not, 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 not that kind of stuff. But when, when, if we are going to be representatives of God, children of our Heavenly Father, we need to be able to speak the truth in love. We need to be able to be responsibly honest, to give someone an honest answer, even when that answer may not favor them, even when that answer may not favor you, may not favor what they want to do. We need to be responsibly honest. Candidness. Let me encourage you to work on being responsibly honest. Not irresponsibly honest, but let me encourage you to work on being responsibly honest. You need to be able to tell someone what you really think instead of candy-coating it or passing it off. God needs lights shining in other people's confusion. And he could use you greatly. He, he helped both of these men. He helped one of them because it was, it, it, it was something he could look forward to. He helped the other one prepare for something that, that was going to come and there was nothing he could do about it. You see, honesty, truth, responsible honesty, speaking the truth in love helps. Okay? Not just your opinion, not, but just being honest and not hurtful. Okay? I... I often tell young preachers something I heard when I was a young preacher, and that is a pastor told me at one time, he said, listen, if you ever have the occasion to preach on hell, do it with a tear in your eye, not with a smirk on your face. If you ever have to share some difficult or bad news with someone or something they don't want to hear, do it with a broken heart. Do it with a merciful heart. Speaking the truth in love. Candidness. The last thing we'll share in the next few minutes is that uh, what we see Joseph doing. In, in Genesis chapter 40, verse 14, the Bible says this. Joseph said this to the butler, to the man who was going to be restored to Pharaoh's service. He said, but remember me when it is well with you. And please show kindness to me and make mention of me to Pharaoh and get me out of this house. Then Pharaoh, verse 21, restored the chief butler to his butlership again and he placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. But he hanged the chief baker as Joseph had interpreted to them. Yet the chief butler, who had been restored, did not remember Joseph, but he forgot him. Isn't it horrible to be forgotten? But yet, Joseph here did something very interesting that you and I also ought to do. Do you know you have and I have influence? That's right. Influence is one of our attributes, one of the strengths, one of the exercises, one of the character qualities that we need to realize that we have and we need to exercise and we need to use. Do you know that you have spiritual capital? There's someone in your world, someone you know, on your job, in your family, someone in your acquaintance that you can influence. Now, Joseph here, he is doing his best to influence the butler to help him. And indeed, he is sowing a seed. It will be two years before the butler remembers 
what Joseph asked. Joseph is going to keep on participating. He's going to keep on presenting himself. He's going to keep on working hard day in and day out. He's not going to let this frustration, this disappointment do him in. He's going to keep on being good and kind. He's going to keep on, you know, with all the things he's doing. But two years, it tells in just one sentence, but it took two years of Joseph's life. But the butler finally remembers. But he would not have remembered, perhaps, if Joseph had not asked. You see, the Bible says you have not because you ask not. You know, uh, that's the reality. James, you can read about it in the book of James. You have not because you ask not. Isn't that amazing? The Word of God also says, ask and receive that your joy might be full. It's important that we not underestimate the power of our request and the power of our influence over others. Do you know that just this past week, there was a man that visited our church? He visited our church for only one reason. Okay? And listen, this man does not go to church, hadn't gone to church, you know, just, you know, just out there and lost as a goose. Okay? And he's old and lost as a goose. But Sunday, boy, Sunday was powerful, wasn't it? We talked about grace and we talked about faith. And then we prayed the prayer of salvation. Listen, do you know that man came for one reason? It's because someone asked him to. He drove all the way, you know, he drove, I don't know, 80, 90 miles to come here and sit in church beside the person that asked him if he would please come. Do you know why that person asked him to come to church Sunday? Because up here, three weeks ago, I said, listen, I want you guys to go out and ask someone to come to church on the, on the 23rd, wasn't it? Yeah, it was this past Sunday. Ask someone to come to church on family Sunday, the 23rd. Just invite someone. You might be surprised. You see that influence. You have influence, you know? Now, that one connection is perhaps, you know, might be that one eternal connection that has always been missing that just got connected. Why? Oh, because someone asked. Never underestimate the power of asking and how God is willing to use your influence. You know, there's a man that, that serves our church right now and is working in our church and helping us a lot. Wonderful experience. But he came because someone asked. Ask. You have influence. Have you asked someone, not just a church. Yeah, invite people to church, please. But have you asked someone to accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior? Have you asked someone to pray with you? Have you asked someone, well, have you prayed about it? Have you asked someone, well, can I tell you what the Bible has to say? Have you asked someone, well, perhaps you need to forgive them. Have you asked someone, well, you know, have you considered, the, you know, uh, uh, asking them for forgiveness? You know, have you, I mean, you never know. How influential you are. And your spiritual capital is something you will not need in heaven. The only thing you can do with influence that you have is use it on earth. 
This is the only place you can use your influence. And you have influence. What are you influencing people to do? Let me encourage you this week uh, 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 to, to, to use your influence, okay? Do not grow weary, Galatians 6, 9 says. Do not grow weary in well-doing, for you will reap in due season if you just don't faint, if you just don't stop. Just continue, just continue. It's very important to realize that, that we shouldn't get disappointed because it might take two years for our influence, for our seed to come up in someone's life. It may take two years for us to see the result of us having simply been kind, been honest, and encouraging someone to do what they should do. Okay? Do it! It was all a part of Joseph's life to take him from where he was, a 98-pound weakling pushed around by everybody, to ruler of the known world. The only person hired him was Pharaoh. Amazing, huh? We can do it too. We just need to exercise. So this week, exercise, okay? Find someone to be kind to, especially in your worst moment of your day, worst moment of your week. Someone to be kind to, okay? Make sure that you're responsibly honest when responsible honesty is called for, that you're candid, that you're truthful, and as well, make sure that you influence someone. Just ask someone. Just ask them. Just influence someone to do something that you know God would like better than what they're doing.